O Lord, our Maker, Redeemer, and Comforter, we are assembled in your presence to hear your holy word. We pray you to open our hearts by your Holy Spirit, that through the preaching of your word, we may be taught to repent of our sins, to believe on Jesus in life and death, and to grow day by day in grace and holiness. Hear us for Christ's sake. Amen. Let us bow before the Lord and confess our sins. Almighty God, our Maker and Redeemer, we poor sinners confess unto you that we are by nature sinful and unclean, and that we have sinned against you by thought, word, and deed. Therefore, we flee for refuge to your infinite mercy, seeking and imploring your grace for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. O most merciful God, you have given your only begotten Son to die for us. Have mercy upon us and for his sake grant us remission of all our sins. And by your Holy Spirit, increase in us a true knowledge of you and of your will, and of true obedience to your word, to the end that by your grace we may come to everlasting life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lift up your hearts unto God. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, has had mercy upon us, and has given his only Son to die for us, and for his sake forgives us all our sins. To all who believe on his name, he gives power to become the children of God, and has promised them his Holy Spirit. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Grant this, Lord, unto us all. Amen. The Old Testament lesson for the fifth Sunday in Lent is recorded in the book of Genesis chapter 22. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The lad and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. So Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took the fire in his hand and a knife, and the two of them went together. But Isaac spoke to Abraham his father and said, My father? And he said, Here I am, my son. Then he said, Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My God, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. So the two of them went together. Then they came to the place of which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there 
and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here I am. And he said, Do not lay your hand on the child, on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Here ends the Old Testament lesson. The epistle is recorded in the letter to the Hebrews, the ninth chapter, beginning at verse 11. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling the unclean, sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? For this reason he is the mediator of the new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant that those who are called may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. Here ends the epistle lesson. The Holy Gospel is recorded in the Gospel according to St. John, the 8th chapter, beginning at verse 46. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore you do not hear, because you are not of God. Then the Jews answered and said to him, Do we not rightly say that you are Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I serve my father and you dishonor me, and I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Then the Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead, and the prophets. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead, and the prophets are dead? Whom do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father who honors me, of whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I shall be a liar like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, 
you are not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you before Abraham was, I am. Then they took up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. This is the holy gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God be praised for his glad tidings. Let us pray. O Lord God of Abraham, by the death and resurrection of your only Son, you have shown the world that the way of self-sacrifice is the way of life. Give us such a strong faith in your providence 
that we will not shrink from any sacrifice you ask of us, but rejoice to offer our lives to him who gave his life for us, Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our sermon text is recorded in Genesis chapter 22. Let us hear again verses 1 and 2 in Jesus' name. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you, fellow redeemed. One red strand, that's what was woven into every inch of rope made for the sailing ships of the British Navy of old. This red thread running through the rope could not be extracted without unraveling the whole so that even the smallest length of rope would be recognized as belonging to the crown. Similarly, one red strand appears throughout the pages of the scriptures. Wherever you open the Bible, you will find the blood of Christ the Savior. From the first pages to the last, the scriptures were written to make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Not only is this apparent in the New Testament, written after Christ's coming, but also in the Old. Already in the Garden of Eden, God promised our first parents that the seed of the woman would crush the devil's head. In the prophet Malachi, in the last book written before the Savior's coming, speaks of the Son of Righteousness rising with healing in his wings, bringing the warmth of God's forgiveness as the morning sun brings light and warmth to the day. One red strand, the promise of the Savior and his blood-bought forgiveness, runs through the Old Testament. Without this red strand, the entire scripture would become unraveled and lose its meaning. Today we see how this red strand runs through the familiar account of Abraham and Isaac, a father's sacrifice of his son. Of the two characters who stand out in this story, we start with a loving father. How much Abraham must have loved his son Isaac. That boy was a miracle baby. Abraham and Sarah have waited for years and years for him to be born. Finally, when Abraham was a hundred and Sarah ninety, he was born to them. It was true that people lived longer in those days and were able to have children at older ages than now, but not at ages one hundred and ninety. Isaac was quite an unexpected gift. He came entirely by God's grace, a child of promise. In every way, 
He was just like us, no different than any other baby who cried and needed his diapers changed. But God had made a special promise that this boy would be the forefather of the promised Savior. Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. That baby boy, finally in Abraham's arms and on his knee, meant that God would keep his promise of sending the Savior. Can we even imagine how Abraham must have loved his son? But then came a severe test from the Lord. One night God came to Abraham with this harsh demand. Take your son, he said. Your only son Isaac, whom you love, he added. And how that must have made Abraham shiver. Just listen to this. Go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Parents who have said goodbye to a grown-up child as he headed off to war, not knowing whether they would ever see him again, or parents who have lost a child to death can imagine some, somewhat how Abraham must have felt that night. Let's put ourselves into his place. What would our reaction have been? Would we have argued defensively? Did I hear you right, Lord? Would we have asked skeptically, why, Lord? What's the purpose? Not Father Abraham. Instead, we are told he got up the next morning and saddled his donkey. We are even told he did this early the next morning. He loved his son, but he loved his heavenly father even more. Abraham dutifully chopped the wood, got the pot of hot coals ready, took two servants and his son, and set out for the place where the Lord had told him to go. What a three-day journey that must have been. Finally, they reached Mount Moriah, and as father and son climbed, the son had a question. My father? Look, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Can we imagine how Abraham's heart must have jumped? He answered, not in evasion, but in trust in the heavenly Father. God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham really believed that. Abraham even believed that if God wanted him to go through with the sacrifice, God would bring back his son from the dead. Did you catch it when he told his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and we will come back to you. We are not exaggerating Abraham's confidence in his God. For Hebrews chapter 11 tells us, that Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. That trust led Abraham to the ultimate. First, he collected the stones and built the altar. Then he laid the wood on that altar. Then, and we almost feel like shouting, Stop, Abraham, how could you? He tied his son, the lamb, and laid him on the wood. Finally, he pulled out his knife and stretched 
his arms in the air for the bloody thrust into the warm body of his son, his only son Isaac, whom he loved. Oh, yes, he loved that boy dearly, but he loved his God even more. Someone once said, the real test of love is the sacrifice it is willing to make. Abraham shows the truth of that statement. Yet Abraham's love and sacrifice are often very difficult to understand. One day, Katie, the wife of Martin Luther, came to him quite perturbed. She had just been reading this account of the sacrifice of Isaac and could not understand why God would ask Abraham to sacrifice his own son. Luther had the answer. He told Katie, if that is true, then how can we understand that God should give his own son into death? What a picture of our loving father's sacrifice of his son. That's what we have here. Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac illustrates a truth expressed so beautifully by the Apostle John. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Indeed, the real test of love is the sacrifice it is willing to make. God's love went to the limit. He might have argued, why should I? They aren't worth it. He might have reasoned, why bother? They're rejected anyway. He might have concluded, leave them alone. They deserve the hell toward which they are speeding. But he didn't. Instead, like Abraham, he took his son, his one and only son, whom he loved more dearly than Abraham could ever love Isaac, and put him on the wooden altar of the cross. There, unlike Abraham, he did not stop, but plunged the soldier's spear into the heart of his miracle baby. All this he did, not because he did not love his son, but because he loved us. His love for us would not let us perish in the hell we deserve. His love for us compelled him to give the best he had. It made a loving father sacrifice his son. And our reaction to our father's love? So quickly and often we take it for granted, like a heart which keeps beating in our chest, the spouse who keeps working at our side, the job we hold, and our ability to do it. Sure, we say such things are important, then then we forget about them and fail to treasure them. Perhaps we do this even more when it comes to the salvation God has prepared for us with the sacrifice of his son. Every time we enter church, our eyes ought to go right up to the cross on the altar to remind us what it cost God to save us. Every time we open the Bible, we ought to remind ourselves of the red strand that runs through it, the blood of God's Son poured out on the cross for us. And every Lenten season, we ought to pause and reflect on what a loving God we have. How could he sacrifice his son for me, one who was standing not only with one foot 
but both feet in hell. How could he take all my sins, even those staggering ones that from time to time raise their ugly memories to scar my conscience? How could he take all my sins and load them on his son? How could he then reach down from heaven through his word and sacrament and bring me to faith in his son? How could that son paint my name on a door in the Father's house above and promise to come again and take me there when it is time? How? How? There's only one answer, which even if I live to be 105, I will never be able to fully understand. A father's love, such as the world has never seen. But there's a second person at whom we need to look in our account today. From the loving father, we turn to the obedient son. If we had to pick one word for Isaac's actions through all this, wouldn't it have to be the word obedience? Willing, trusting obedience to his father. He asks only one question, a rather fair one at that. Where is the lamb for the altar? Isaac simply and willingly followed his father's lead. We don't even hear that he struggled against the ropes that bound him on the altar and that seemed to doom him to certain death. Willingly, he obeyed his father's directions. Not too difficult to see a foreshadowing of the Savior in Isaac's actions, is it? Like Isaac, Jesus carried the wood for the sacrifice of the hill. Like Isaac, he climbed Calvary's holy mountain, which is part of the same mountain range in which Mount Moriah, the scene of Isaac's sacrifice, was located. And all this he did willingly. The hymn writer portrays this willingness so graphically in the words, Go forth, my son, the father saith, and free men from the fear of death, from guilt of condemnation. The, raps, the wrath and stripes are hard to bear, but by thy passion men shall share the fruit of thy salvation. Then the hymn writer imagines the son answering, Yea, Father, yea, most willingly, I'll bear what thou commandest. My will conforms to thy decree. I do what thou demandest. But unlike Isaac, no substitute was found for Jesus. No ram caught in a thicket. Instead, the Lamb of God nailed to the wood of the cursed tree. Instead, thank God, the fountain filled with the blood of his sacrifice in which we uh, lose all our guilty stains, all because of his willing obedience, the willing obedience of God's Son. Now comes the question for us. We claim to be God's sons and daughters, gratefully, even proudly so. But can we be described as we just described Isaac and Jesus? How willing is our obedience when the Lord ties us up 
with trouble, when things don't go as well as we plan, when pain comes and body parts fail, when loved ones leave or are taken from us, when jobs are lost and income dwindles, is it still Savior lead, I follow thee? Or is it, where are you taking me? And why, and haven't you lost the way? Or even worse, I don't think you are out there leading me. And if you are, I don't want your leading. Or how about when he looks into our wallets and asks about our, asks about our offerings? looks at our talent and asks about our service, looks at our sons and daughters and asks about them becoming pastors and teachers. Is it, come on, Lord, I've got better use for such things. Or, come on, Lord, how can you ask that of me? Or, looking at the Father's great love and the Son's willing obedience, is it, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. One red strand woven throughout the scriptures. Open the Bible anywhere, and it bleeds with the blood of Jesus, God's Son, the willing sacrifice offered by a loving Father. May our God, for only who he can, cover our hearts with the pardon this blood brings, and color our lives with the power to sacrifice for him. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus, and for all people according to their needs. Heavenly Father, Abraham saw the day of your son, when you provided the ram caught in the thicket to be sacrificed in Isaac's stead. Give us eyes of faith to see the fulfillment of that provision when you provided your son to be sacrificed on Mount Calvary as the unblemished Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Fix our gaze upon Jesus, who lived and died to provide for us forgiveness, life, and salvation. Holy Father, continue to raise up for us men who preach the gospel in its purity and administer the sacraments according to Christ's institution. Bless these pastors in Christ, that they would be under shepherds of the Good Shepherd, caring faithfully for the flocks under their charge. Gracious Father, we, your children, must contend with the devil, the world, and our own sinful flesh as we make our way through this valley of the shadow of death. Send out your light and your truth, and let them lead us to the holy hill of your church where we find sanctuary and refreshment for our troubled souls. We thank you, merciful Father, for our sister churches around the world who share in our blessed fellowship around font, pulpit, and altar. Always keep them and us steadfast in the saving doctrine of the blessed apostles drawn from your holy word. Almighty Father, we thank you for the gift of family and for all relations and friends you give to us. Grant your blessing upon all families and give to them what they need for the nourishment of their bodies, especially do we pray for the nourishment of their souls in the gifts of forgiveness and life given in your holy church. Compassionate Father, bless all who suffer in body and soul with your healing hand. According to your will, Return them to good health and sound strength, and give to each of us 
every good thing that we need to support this body and life. We give you thanks, O Lord, for those who have gone before us in the faith and now rest from their labors. Keep us, we pray, in that same saving faith that we, together with them, enter the life of the world to come when Christ returns again in great glory on the last day. Into your hands, O Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who taught us to come to you, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.